0: So you want to be a great musician, do you have The Toolkit? And hello, my name is David Lane. Welcome to The Musician Toolkit, Episode 1. It is wonderful to be with you. I have been looking forward to this podcast for quite some time, and it is great to finally premiere episode one and there's going to be an episode each week on a monday sometimes a second episode but i'll talk more about the format of the podcast and some of the things you can expect at the end but first of all let me just say happy new year i hope everyone has a great 2023 and perhaps that's why you're checking out this podcast perhaps you're a musician and you know you've got a little bit of work to do in some areas And you just want to check this out, see if this might be a resource for you. And I just want to say, uh, thank you. Also, um, I won't refer to my other podcasts too much in, in this one, just like I won't refer to the the musician toolkit over there, but a lot of you, uh, might be listening because you know me from my other podcast, which is life in the pit, which is a bit of it's, it's on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. But uh, that podcast is still there if you're interested at all in the type of musician who plays for musical theater. And some, some of the episodes branch out besides that. But Life in the Pit uh, has been very valuable to me in kind of learning how podcasting works. And also, I really think I, I needed it to get to this point this phrase the musician toolkit it actually came from episode 42 of life in the pit and my guest that day in fact the title of that episode is called well-stocked toolkit she was a broadway musician she is a broadway musician and she was talking about how all of the experiences all of the things that she's learned as a musician goes into this toolkit and that was um that was march of 2021 so that was quite a while ago, but that phrase stuck in my head. And also, I thought about how for years in my car, I've had a toolkit. And it has, among other things, a socket wrench with probably 18 different sized attachments. And I, I may have used eight of them. <laughs> there are some other tools in there that I've used quite a bit, such as a bit driver with attachments and some Allen wrenches. And uh, there are some tools that I've not used very much, uh, such as zip ties, or a few that I've never used at all, such as an antifreeze tester, electric wire cutters. However, I do know one thing. Having the tools with me and not needing them is much better than needing them and not having them. I've met some music students in the past who were who were really only concerned with how well they played their instrument and that was it sometimes it was just about how well they could play their instrument in a certain style you know who I'm talking about I'm talking about the violinist who can't fiddle I'm talking about the opera singer who who can't sing in a pop or theater style the guitarist who who really knows his Rodrigo repertoire but he can't whip out a Jimi Hendrix riff. But besides being versatile in styles, how about the composer who can't compose at a table because they have to hear the sounds out loud before knowing what to write down? What about the terrific sight reader who can't play by ear? How about the great improviser who can't read music well enough to follow a chart? Or the classical musician who doesn't know what to do with the lead sheet? What about the jazz musician who can't actually play what's on the page? Or the instrumentalist or vocalist who doesn't understand how their note fits in with the rest of the chord? What about the musician who simply can't transpose? And how can you be an advanced musician and not know how to create music? At least a little bit through improvisation or composing. No musician is born with every tool of their toolkit firmly in place, and very, probably very few musicians will make use of all of them, just like I haven't used all the tools that I have in my car, at least not in equal amounts. But good musicians are not one trick ponies. They embrace their strengths and they use them well, but they are also mindful of their weaknesses. And as I've said quite a bit in the past, I've never had trouble with improvisation, memorizing, or playing by ear. It's something that I've done as long as I can remember, and it's just never been a problem for me. So those tools kind of came as soon as I started interacting with music in any way. But I was woefully underdeveloped as a sight reader when I began college life as a music major. And I had to work really hard just to bring this up to par, just to bring this up to a minimum standard. And I've, I've since then discovered it to be one of the most valuable tools a performer can have. And I've worked on it and worked on it since then. So we've talked about why you need a toolkit if you want to be a great, well-rounded musician. But let's now talk about what the tools are. By the way, if you do follow me online, uh, on YouTube, Instagram... Facebook or TikTok, then, uh, you, you've seen a brief introduction to these tools already. So I'm just going to try to give them in a full list here and I'll elaborate on each one just a little bit. These tools are not in a particular order. They are just in the order that they came to mind. Um, although having mentioned already, I think this first one is very important and that is the skill of sight reading. To refer one more time to life in the pit this was another inspiration for this podcast in that uh, most of those episodes if you haven't heard them before um, i would say probably 95 percent of those episodes have at least one guest on them and i talk about what what they have learned to become successful as a pit musician and it is amazing how many times someone said sight reading in fact I've even asked, what's the number one advice that you would give to an aspiring pit musician? And that answer came up more than once as the answer. So this is a very important skill, and I do list it first. It is, the skill of sight reading is simply the ability to play a piece well without previous practice. You look at a piece of music for the first time written down, and you can play it at a high level It may not be perfect and you know we'll get into that later on but this is something that is really valuable if you are playing as an audition accompanist if you're an accompanist of any kind like in in a church or in in a school or in in some kind of a choir or you know if you're in an orchestra if you're in a symphony orchestra you're often expected to sight read if definitely in musical theater, there are so many instances where if you're a type of person who can, on a high level, play something the very first time, you are. that is a very valuable tool. The second tool is a well-developed ear. And this simply means to be able to hear a piece of music and know what's going on and how to imitate it. On your instrument this is an essential tool and there's some ways that it manifests itself that we'll get into later on so obviously if someone wants you to play something or you want to play something and you don't have any sheet music written down to go hear a recording and then you know immediately know what's going on go to your instrument be able to play it that's one thing but remember one of the questions i asked about in in kind of determining you know whether or not you have a fully well-stocked musician toolkit and that was you know what if you're a composer or an arranger or an orchestrator and you just have to have a piano you just have to have a keyboard you've got to hear those sounds before you know what to write down on the page well if you've done ear training really well you can actually look at a score without without any instrument and in your head you can tell exactly how it goes and as a composer you should be able to reverse engineer that you should be able to hear something in your head or know what it's going to sound like once you put it on the staff now as you're gaining experience it may not be a hundred percent accurate you may write what you think you heard go to the piano and go it's oh, close but that's uh that's not quite what i had in mind but this is a technique that makes you a better composer makes you a better arranger not to be dependent and a lot of it has to do with your ear is well developed enough that you can hear written music without having to play it the third tool is the ability to transpose now all is going to be forgiven if you're not ready to take a chopin etude and transpose it to any key or uh you know, any of the Paganini uh, Caprices. But you should be able, with most keys, take something like a church hymn or um, a standard, a jazz standard from a lead sheet, um, the accompaniment of an art song or a pop song. You should be able to transpose that to most of the keys, most of the common keys. One of the reasons this is valuable is it helps you understand music in a relative way. It's not just, well, first I play an E, then I play a G, then I play a B flat. Um, you start thinking of what, well, what are the function of those notes and how can I change that to another key? And it also just, it's just very handy when you play with someone else, especially if you're playing with a singer who says that's a little higher, that's a little low, can you change it? It's always great to be able to accommodate like that. The fourth and fifth tools are related to each other, you know, kind of like, you know, you might have more than one size wrench in your physical toolkit. These are both skill of creation tools. There's two ways you can come up with music that is original that you've created. And the first one is the skill of improvisation improvisation is simply spontaneously creating music right on the spot with your hands with uh, with your instrument with your voice this is a skill i think we put you know if you're if you're a classical musician you might put composers up on a pedestal when it comes to uh, you know musicians who really know their craft and also um j- just what might what might be a superior way of creating music if you've ever thought that before but i just want to point out a few things first of all most genres in the world put a premium on improvisation rather than composition and second in the entire history of world music in 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 all of all of civilization coming up with music far 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 more pieces of music have been created through improvisation than actually composing. So this is an important skill. But number five, the skill of creation, composing, is also an important skill for a well-rounded musician. And this is writing music down and it's crafting it to to a polish. This is a very marketable skill that can be coupled with skills that won't get their own mention necessarily Um, things such as orchestrating uh, you can also add arranging to this as as an equal branch a lot of times you might be playing in an ensemble maybe a duo uh, maybe a a trio or quartet or you might have even a small orchestra or a large orchestra it is always great to be that person who if someone has made a request of you to play um, and I'll just throw some things out that I've done before. Um, the Coldplay song Yellow. Somebody wanted that for string quartet. It's always great to be able to be that guy or that woman who can come up with a good sounding arrangement of a piece for any ensemble. So even if you're not um, a composer as, by profession, or even as one of the main things you do, you can understand enough about how to compose, uh, how to do a written arrangement, and this is a very valuable skill, very valuable tool. Tool number six is one that I'm very passionate about. Um, on this podcast, I'm going to have some guests every now and then. Not so much in the early episodes as I'm and, as I'm getting this podcast going, but as the podcast develops, um, I'll, I definitely plan on having guests frequently. Um. One of the things that I'll be talking quite a bit about is the ability to practice. This is something that I feel like I probably coach my students on more than any other tool in this toolkit. The ability to practice well. If you're a parent or a a teacher and your approach to practice has been to just say, just sit down and do it. This isn't good advice, but a good musician can take any piece on any level and figure out how it can be learned, how long it will take and come up with a, and here's the key, a low stress strategy to make it happen. If your practice is inefficient, you need to work on it. If your practice is stressful, you need to work on it. Practice should actually be something that's fun and it's effective and you you just have a plan you know how to handle any situation with music very important skill very important tool number 7 this tool is the ability to play any written rhythm now I thought about just being more vague and just saying the ability the ability to play any rhythm well it's it's always been funny to me but if you listen to a baseball game, um, or if you go to a stadium, um, actually, I haven't had cable for a while, so I don't know if this is still a thing, but at some point in the game, you will hear somebody over a loudspeaker clap this, and the whole stadium knows to go, it's always funny to me when people say that they can't, uh, they can't do rhythms, and it's like, a whole baseball stadium can do a rhythm. There's all kinds of situations where people in mass can lock in on a rhythm. And I think anybody with even a little practice, they don't even have to study music, they can get quite good at imitating rhythms that they hear. But if you're going to be a great musician, you need to be able to play any rhythm very quickly, if, if not at sight, with very little preparation. You should be able to play any Rhythm that is written down. Now, I don't. I want to put a caveat on that. And by the way, I know if you if you're a percussionist, you're smiling. Hey, I got this. <laughs> There's going to be a few of these tools that if you play certain instruments, then uh, yes, you, you probably don't need to work on this tool. And by the way, I meant to say at the start, you know, give yourself a, a score of one to a five on how do you feel about where you are with these tools already. So you know, give yourself a one if you're like, I really um, I really haven't worked on this tool at all, or it's, it's definitely a weakness and give yourself a five. If you think I'm actually pretty good at this, um, I could maintain it. I could maybe tweak it, but I feel pretty good about that. So, you know, the, the tools we talked about so far is the skill of sight reading, a well-developed ear, the ability to transpose, um, skill of improvisation, skill of composing, um, the ability to practice. And now we're on the ability to play any written rhythm. Now, I just wanted to say about this, um, this is not necessarily something you should be able to do if you're playing something that has not been properly notated. I won't get into the rules of what makes good and bad notation. There's a book out there, um, you know, that if you're my age, uh, I can use this reference, and it was the size of the Yellow Pages. Uh, Size of the Yellow Pages back in the early 90s, (laughs) I would say. Uh, It's funny, the size of the Yellow Pages now, uh, because they still they still come out there still are people who use them um it's the size of a pamphlet if you're reading something and the rhythm the rules of rhythm are just going out the window like you know you're in six eight but it doesn't you know it's not tied the way six eight time is or something like that um yeah that's that's not something you need to be able to do but if it's been written properly if it fits within the time signature or time signatures of your piece Regardless of how complicated the rhythm is, you should be able to figure it out fairly quickly. Tool number eight is the mastery of a single instrument, the mastery of one instrument. So there's a danger with this whole topic that we're talking about on the Musician Toolkit, and that is the possibility or even the temptation of trying to become a jack-of-all-trades but master of none. You don't have to win an international prize or hold first chair on your orchestra, but you need you need to be good at least on one instrument. And coupled with that would be tool number nine, and that is experience with other instruments. So you master one instrument for sure, and you at least have some experience with others. I've... I've never met a truly great musician who wasn't at least a little familiar with a completely different instrument. Now, what I mean by that is that I'm not saying if you play flute, you also play piccolo. If you play tenor sax, you play alto sax. It's, um, you know, not quite, if you play trumpet, you play cornet, not talking about similar instruments. I'm talking about if you play trumpet, maybe you play guitar. Or if you play piano, maybe you can also play flute. If you play violin, you can also play clarinet. Think about two contrasting instruments. And I pick those because when you pick contrasting instruments to have experience, you get other elements of music because not all instruments put an emphasis on the same musical qualities. And just as an example, I'm a a pianist and I'm a piano teacher and I can tell any student on their very first lesson, I can point to middle C, have them play it and tell them that's in tune and the tone is good. You don't have to do, and, and there's really not anything that you can do to change it. If, if it wasn't sounding good, it's, it's the instrument's. It's the instrument that's at at fault. However, if you were to take voice or if you were to take violin or a number of other instruments, you would have to think about each and every note, the quality of the sound and whether or not it's in tune. You could also learn things like vibrato. Um, you could learn things like portamento. And at the same time, if you're already like a vocalist or violinist, is good to be able to play an instrument that that has harmony um, you know one that can do accompaniment patterns and and a melody at the same time so we're going to come back to more talk about instruments in just a moment but tools eight and nine are mastery of one instrument but experience with other instruments speaking of instruments tool number 10 is the ability to sing Okay, if you're a professional vocalist, this doesn't apply to you. You're already good with this tool. Give yourself a five and we'll move on. But everybody else, there are elements that you can only truly understand about music by singing it with your own voice. You should, at, at the least, be able to sing in tune and with expression. And tool number 11 is knowledge of the piano, or I should say knowledge of the keyboard. So again, if you're a pianist, you know, give yourself a five on this tool. If you play any other instrument as your primary instrument, though, talked about you need to have experience with other instruments. Well, this is one of them. This is one of the ones that you need to have experience with. The piano, or the keyboard, has several advantages as a tool for musicians. So first of all, it's excellent for teaching, regardless of the instrument that's being taught. Second, other than maybe the pipe organ, it has the widest range from top to bottom. And it can demonstrate melody and accompaniment. Um, And almost, I think, maybe might be the most important, is it, it can show a visual layout of of pitches of your chromatic scale. If you, if you're playing guitar, if you're learning it as your first instrument, you have to memorize the fretboard where there's, where there are natural half steps. So like, you know, that between F and G is an F sharp and G sharp, but you need to know that between E and F and between B and C, there's nothing in between those notes. Well, if you have familiarity with the piano, you can see that. Tool number 12 is another one that I'm very passionate about, especially as a teacher. As a teacher, I you know, especially as a piano teacher, I teach a lot of different ages, a lot of different styles. Uh, I don't enforce that people study classical piano. They can, they can go through, you know, if they want to learn pop, if they want to learn blues, I, I will work with anybody on what the style is. Um, But I do have a few things that I insist, and one is that we include in some way music theory. Tool number 12 is the knowledge of music theory. Now I'm going to say something about some people that I went to college with, and I feel pretty confident (laughs) that that some some of those listening to this podcast are people that I went to college with. So I want to just be clear up front. Those who are who are likely listening, I'm not talking about you. I went to school with some great musicians. Some of the best musicians I've ever met. And I would say that the vast majority of the people that I knew in college as a music major, who were also music majors, were very serious musicians. They They studied well. And most of them have gone on to become even better musicians than when I knew them but like all colleges you're going to have you know a few people in each class who their music majors but you know maybe they haven't really fully invested in that as a career they don't really know what kind of work that entails or they don't want to do everything that's involved so I took note in college of a few classmates who you could just tell they'd completely tuned out to music theory it was a required course and one that they just had to get through but they had no excitement or appreciation for the subject um and as and as far as i can tell none of them still work as musicians understanding how music works is an, is essential to being a, a musician and everybody i know who is a professional who is a good musician they actually have a little bit of excitement, a little bit of geekiness, you might even call it if you're an outsider, when it comes to music theory. So we will definitely be talking about music theory uh, in a lot of different ways here on the Musician Toolkit. Tool number 13 is knowledge of music history. Now I am not a purist and I am not that type of conductor or uh, pianist that will that will say absolutely not to ever use a damper pedal in the music of Bach. Simply because it wasn't used and could not have been used back when Bach composed it. And I'm also not retuning my piano to a Baroque tuning. But I need to realize how reckless it might sound to do a long 2-3 measure long pedal pattern like I might use in a Debussy piece. And I also need to have an understanding of how the ornaments were are supposed to be played in this particular style of music now this is one way of understanding music history I also think your music will mean more if you know something about the composer um, or you know just something about the time it was written it's it's hard to listen to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony and not get moved when you when you know the story of him standing on stage completely deaf and having to be turned around to acknowledge the thunderous applause I cry every time I hear the piece somewhat because of the music but mostly because of that backstory music just means more when you know something about it um, also I would kind of say this uh, there's other ways of understanding music history if you're a jazz musician the the way you might voice your chords if you're trying to play in a 20 style dixieland or a 30 style swing band might be different than if you're playing in a combo that's doing bebop or if you're doing latin jazz there's a lot of interpretations a lot of voicings a lot of decisions you'll make that kind of go with music theory but a lot of it has to do with understanding your music history tool number 14 is the ability to follow other musicians. I I thought about (laughs) when I was writing this down, when I was coming up with the tools, I thought about saying the ability to play with other musicians, but that sounds like, you know, don't be a jerk. Be someone that others are willing to work with, uh, which is another thing on Life in the Pit podcast that got brought out quite a bit. Um, you'll, You'll be a more successful Musician at getting work and keeping work if people want to work with you. But in this case, I'm talking about If you've ever played with someone who jumped a measure ahead while you kept going oblivious At least for a short while. This is a tool that needs improving Sometimes others make mistakes or get off the book and you need to be able to go with the flow so if you're an accompanist this is especially important but anytime that you're playing with other musicians, you need to be able to listen you need to be able to lock in stay in sync tool number 15 is the ability to play in many styles or genres so classical jazz rock pop country r b hip-hop you don't have to be great at everything but you shouldn't be completely inexperienced in anything You should understand how each of those styles, each of those genres work. Tool number 16 is experience with conducting or leading other musicians. Do you need to be the latest Bernstein or (laughs) insert great conductor here? No, but you should be able to lead any group of musicians in a rehearsal or performance. your beat pattern should be clear your tempo should be clear you should know how to articulate instructions and, that are helpful and and very clear to the other musicians and you, you need to be able to follow the written score you need to be able to know what's going on so and and you might do this without actually conducting but you need to be able to lead an ensemble just in the same way you need to be able to follow Other musicians tool number 17 is experience with studio production or technology whether you run a mixing board or you add in some virtual plugins or you just don't want to be nodding off while pretending to understand while the engineer talks to you when you're doing a recording session it's good to understand how recording mixing editing and mastering all works This is a tool that maybe you didn't need so much when, you know, if it's in early 1980, 1970. But in the year 2023 and beyond, you definitely need this tool. You can't be ignorant of how studio production works, how recording works. And let's lump that into experience with music technology. Hey, I still write scores out by hand, but then I take it to Finale and i try to make it look good for other people who want to who want to play my music i also go into logic pro and i come up with a good sounding demo and i will use things like compression and um and eq and reverb and have an understanding of what those mean you might not be doing this as a full-time endeavor as uh, recording your music but you're going to want to at some point be in a recording situation using technology this is a tool worth worth having so I paired these together experience with studio production and music technology tool number 18 is the ability to teach in running by this list with someone else I got some pushback on it not everyone is meant to teach they told me And they named a uh, mutual friend and colleague that we have as a perfect example of someone who's a great musician, but they don't teach. And uh, they're pretty insistent that they don't teach. And so in the the end, we, we agreed that what's really important is not that you do teach, but whether you only ever have a single student, and if maybe even later on, You are your student. You have the ability ability to teach yourself. The ability to explain what you do and how to do it, it will not only help create other musicians, but it will also continue your own development. So as you're studying these tools, think about how would you explain it to someone else. Tool number 19 is the ability to memorize music. Not every musician finds this necessary, but as I often tell my students, it's it's great to receive a request to play some music when you're visiting someone and not have to use, sorry, but I don't have my book as an excuse. It's very handy to be able to play play the music without having the book. And like every other tool, it gets better the more you use it. So when I, when I find someone who tells me I don't, I don't memorize music well, well I ask how, how often do you try memorizing music? Do you wait to those moments where it's been requested and you have to do it? Or do you, do you practice it regularly as a matter of course? The 20th and final tool, at least to this point, is basic business and marketing skills. So I saved this one for last. Because if your goal is simply to be a high-caliber artist, but you make your money from another profession, you're not, I I hate to use the word amateur or hobbyist because it sounds demeaning. You can be just as good of a musician as someone who's getting paid to do it because it is something, it is where you, you, you put a lot of energy into creating it as a level of art. So... If you ever hear me on, on this podcast imply that being a professional musician is somehow superior to being a, a musician who makes their money from some other means, uh, that was very unintentional. And I just want to be clear, I don't mean that at all. I have a lot of respect for musicians who become very good, but it's not something that they, they need as a career. A lot of you are aspiring professionals and you are current professionals. And professional musicians, you need to see yourself as business owners. The ones who don't are the ones who sit around wondering why nobody is calling them for a job. They think that they're exempt from the practices that any other business would have to go through just because they're an artist. So, if you are a professional musician this is an important tool but if you're not you know if you're not trying to make money as a musician then it's, then it's a tool that you can leave out okay how did you do so far on those tools if you gave yourself a one to a five well the lowest score you can have is a 20 and that probably means you're a beginner uh chances are you are, are doing better than that I, I would imagine you probably probably most people are around a 60 or 70 because if you're honest you're probably going to put yourself at a three on the average with some of those being weaknesses that's a little lower and some of those being strengths that's a little bit higher uh, if you're if you gave yourself a hundred well uh congratulations i don't know that this podcast will have anything to offer but uh, if you're if you're in that 60-70 range or lower, definitely keep coming back. There's gonna be a lot of things that that we'll have to talk about that I think you'll find valuable. So just a few things before I wrap up this episode. Number one, I'll just talk a little bit about what I plan on doing with this podcast. So my I don't plan to like put a spotlight on an individual tool Per episode, there'll be some episodes where we do that, where I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, how to improve being able to practice well, or some things that you can do to work on your sight reading or ear training. And and some of those will involve having some guests who are really knowledgeable of that particular tool. But the other thing that I wanted to do, and this was, uh, this was where Life in the Pit was starting to branch off, and I felt like, well, this really should be sent to another podcast like this one and that is I want to take various jobs various careers that you can have as a musician whether it be a film composer whether it be playing in musical theater um, and I want to talk about a little bit about you know the the business side of trying to get such a job but this is where I feel like other podcasts really address this well and and by the way this is another reason why I made that 20th tool last there's so many great music business podcasts out there and uh and i'll refer to them from time to time and it was part of the reason i was inspired to do this because those podcasts yes they they are um great about telling you what you need to be doing as a business practice but they kind of assume that you've taken care of your craft that these other things that we're going to talk about so that you are as prepared of a musician as you can be and you add business practices to that and uh, you're going to be set for trying to get any kind of a job so we're going to talk about like with certain jobs what are the tools that uh, that we mention in the toolkit that you need to improve that you need to get a lot better at it and you know what is a good way of going about it um, there's also going to be some fun episodes. Um, I'm going to talk about you know some some albums or some artists or you know some music that I that I like, and uh, and sometimes I'll collaborate with some other people on that, and um, we'll talk about it from a musical standpoint, kind of understanding you know sharpening the tool of music theory, music history, and and also other genres, and just what makes this music tick, and um some of the episodes will be very short some of them will be a little bit longer Um, always there will be an episode on a monday and sometimes on probably a thursday or friday there will be a second episode if it's shorter if it's a little bit more fun Um, and also i just want to say a few things if you have any friends who would like to listen to this podcast but they don't really do podcasts well you can find it on youtube and i will put that link in my show notes i'm at david lane music one david lane music the number one if they don't want to listen they don't want to watch uh but they'd rather read i have a blog at david slash blog and um not every episode will be available as a blog but a lot of them will uh including this one so if they'd like to if you'd like to just share that in article form you can uh, whatever way makes it easier for you to find this for you to share it for you to enjoy it, but um, So since this is the first episode, I do have some requests for you and um, the f- the very first thing is if You could please if you've enjoyed this episode I would ask would you please leave a five-star rating and review or at least the rating Uh, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, but also Spotify. Though Spotify may not let you until you've actually listened to a couple of episodes. So this may be something, uh, you know, as we get into episode two or three that you'll be able to do on Spotify, but you can do that right now on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Make sure that you're following and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this, if you would please share this with at least one other person who might get something out of it, and uh, have them follow the podcast and there's going to be other opportunities that you can help first of all i want to encourage you to reach out to me anytime um the 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 website is a work in progress for this particular podcast you can find uh you can go to musiciantoolkit.podbean.com to find the main page the main feed page for this podcast where you'll find all the episodes as i add them and you'll also see links to every podcast app where you can find it if you have a preferred one where you want to be able to find the show or you want to send someone to find the show Um, in the meantime you can reach out through my website davidlanemusic.com there is a contact bot contact button at the top you can you can reach out to me there you can also uh go to any of the social media so that would be instagram or tiktok at david lane music and you or uh, facebook at david m lane music and as i mentioned on youtube um i don't know that you can contact me through youtube but you can leave a comment uh on the on any of the posts and i will definitely check those out but if you have any questions if you have any comments like for example um are there some tools I left out? I mean, 20 is quite a bit, but are is there a great tool that I've just completely overlooked? So reach out for me uh, on that. Um, also, one last thing I wanted to say about my intentions with this podcast. This is not to replace a traditional uh, conservatory style education, but it does provide an alternative if You know you might not be able to afford that education you know you might not have affluent an affluent family but you you definitely have some skills also you know i won't get into this now but i definitely have a problem with a system that rewards people quite heavily if they're a self-starter or if they've had a lot of pushing and they've achieved quite a bit by the time they're in high school um it really leaves people who are late to music but could be just as good. It leaves them behind. Um, So whether you use this solely, and and I don't recommend that you use anything here solely. Um, I do think you at least need one mentor if you're going to be a great musician. You need somebody guiding you, but preferably a variety of mentors is great as well. Anyways, this is all for episode number 1. I'm going to be back next week at ep- with episode 2. Thank you so much for listening to the musician toolkit. Have a great 2023 and I will I look forward to being back with you next week.